Right, we're ready, Jonathan. Oh, I better do the intro, aren't I? You might be able to use that like some kind of bloopers reel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. And welcome to the IRC Book Club, this show where every week we deconstruct, reconstruct the latest, biggest and most influential sales texts for you, our loyal and much-loved listeners. For those of you who don't know why you should trust what we're saying, we're Johnny Graham and Michael Price from Inwood Revenue Consulting and we work with the best salespeople from all over the UK in the tech sector. So if you're currently looking for your next career step up, get in touch. Of course, if you're hiring, you can find us on LinkedIn and just give us a shout. So... The cycle we're on of IRC Book Club this month is The Sales Hunters, Mark Hunter's Mind for Sales, a book that I was really worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about in, but actually I think we've recorded some of our longest and richest shows in a while actually, because a lot of this has been about the philosophy of good and successful selling and what maketh a good salesperson, so I guess it's made it an interesting conversation for us yeah. over the last few well, weeks. Well, you know, what's the book about? The book's about, the, you know, what the top minds in selling, you know, think about. And there's yes. five sections, each then broken into chapters. So we are on section four, which is don't let your customers control your mind. I also then added, or change your strategy. And this is chapter 22, speed sells, simplify the process. Yes. And he starts with newsflash. Nobody cares about the history of your company or how, or how great you claim to be. Do you know what's interesting? When I sit down with a new prospect now, I say you know, all kinds of stuff. But one of the things I say is to say, how bothered are you about you yeah, know, what we're about? And like nine times out of ten, they go, not really. I go, how much do you want to know about the company? Or would it be better if we just spend a little bit of time and get an understanding of your needs and what you're about as a business? I'll oh, so yes, the closed question that you then turn into an alternate question. Yeah, right. interesting. How I pull your leg, um, and he goes on here I about. Get the joke, sorry. <laughs> he goes on about blabbing about your company, you know, and he and he also says people who are confident do not walk around telling each other how great they are, and, and I mean I completely well, agree with him. He talks a little bit about speed and get it and the speed of getting to the client, which I think is really interesting actually. Um, Andy Paul talked about that in Amp Up Your Sales. Did he? It was the central premise of Amp Up Your Sales, really. I can't remember reading it. Was about being attentive to the customer, being incredibly attentive, fast. Well, you know me in email, actually. I reply to the clients quickly. Yeah, I mean, you know I, I apply GTD, but what I do do is I look at my mail once an hour at least. Not because I want to read email, but I just want to check nothing's come through from a customer. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. What's interesting, it's a similar theme to this, but I've got a client at the minute... Who we had a placement with today, actually. Guy started today, so you know it is. And I said, what does your best sales guy do? And he says, what my best sales guy does is he tries to commit to keep the decision-making cohort as small as possible. Like that. So and I mean, he sells a lot, that fella. Fair play. Yeah, I think he's smart, that. So that, in reality, that was the entirety of Chapter 22. 
I made no notes on chapter 22. Other than an example of where I, I had a client ring in with a job spec a few weeks ago, and I thought, this is going to be a really good job spec. And actually, uh, it took us a while to get our original call in the diary. And the, sl- the speed at which that call went in the diary, actually, I think, cost me the, the opportunity. Right. In the final analysis, because he claimed in that, in that intervening period, a couple of direct applicants came in and he was under pressure to hire them because they came without a fee. So he's right. So chapter 23 is about asking the tough questions. I sort of didn't really get that much here. What did you make? Um, the questions you ask reflect your confidence. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I, I, I think actually they're not tough questions, as long as you don't mind being exposed. I think the tough question is, is do you want to buy the software? There's not many people ask well, that. Well, what really. have we found with our robot? So the robot is beautiful because the robot isn't intimidated in any way by anything. It's not intimidated by a senior level candidate. At all. And the so senior level candidates the therefore just engage with him. Yeah, because he asks the questions whereas a nervous rookie recruitment consultant won't ask the tough question in anything like... Well, it's not a tough question to a robot, is it? It's just, nope, the robot it's just, just asks them. It's just, it's just, it's just well, a question. It's just ones and zeros. It is though, isn't it? And it's been fascinating. And And it has been fascinating. And actually the top guys like engaging with the robot. Yeah. Because the robot doesn't bugger around. It just asks and they answer. It just asks the question and they answer it. Yeah. Whereas sometimes a nervous salesman tees a question up, doesn't he? Yes. They tee it up and tee it up and tee it up. They telegraph it. Oh, I'm not sure if I should be asking this. So listen, there's just something I want to ask you, Mr. Customer. I, I know sometimes people don't like to answer the question, but there's something I want to ask you. Uh, tell me, uh, do you actually have the potential, or uh, maybe would it be okay if I ask you if you uh, have the budget for this procurement? As opposed to, right, mate, have you got the budget for this or what? Exactly. The, the questions you ask reflect your confidence, all very true. And, ca- and could I possibly, maybe, would you, should you be able to tell me uh, who it is who potentially, maybe, could you, would you, should you maybe sign off the deal? And he makes his, a point again here about, he says, too many salespeople are afraid to ask tough questions. Let me be frank, regardless of the question you ask, do not be afraid. You are not being asked to donate a kidney. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? It's so true. Do you know about software? No. Oh, I'm still alive. Oh, I didn't. I didn't get crucified, but it, it. And I do see. You know, you and I have seen it in people we've employed. I'm sure the salespeople we have employed. Let's uh, get uh, right. We we get it with interview feedback. How's it left? Oh, he's oh, going to come back well, to you. He's going to come back to you. Right. Well, I couldn't. Did you ask him? What, I couldn't you have given you more tools and materials, which made it extremely clear that at some point at the end of that meeting, you need to ask him whether he intends to take you forward to the next stage. Did you ask him? Well, it just it just didn't feel right. Nuts. Oh, right. I like this bit. Do not fall in. Do not fall for the send me some more information trap. Yeah, he's right. Absolutely, hundred percent right. I mean, I've, it goes on about presentations. Actually, I, I hate presentations. Why? I just don't think they sell. They're so boring. The whole having a slide deck thing—just absolute nonsense. And what we do? Depends on the, it depends on the context of what's required. All right, well, the, I mean, you obviously don't want to mention the client name, but when did you last do a presentation on Inward Revenue? What, to a customer? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Exactly. Well, I would never dream of turning up at a client site with, with some PowerPoint slides. I can remember it what it was. It wouldn't even cross my mind. It was a company in the medical market. Right. Healthcare client. Yeah, healthcare client. Or you decided so, to steal off me. No, no, you did it to an in-house recruiter. 
Skin up. There you go. It was a long time ago. Yeah, that's the end of chapter 23. Was <laughs> it? Yeah. Chapter 24, the value of her... See, I think he missed that chapter a little bit. But anyway, the value of hearing no. Chapter 24. So what's chapter 24 about? Um, it's, a, it's about the value Here of hearing no. Here you go. Despite having heard no thousands of times at every level of the sales process, there's one thing that has never happened. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I have never lost a drop of blood. No animals were ever harmed. And no children were ever put in a harm's way. No is merely a word. He's right. Yeah. You know, it's the, that movie with Will well, Smith. Good. There's that movie with Will Smith, Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, oh, he sleeps in the toilet. Well, he sleeps in the toilet, but he, he, he says, doesn't he? Uh, he chases the word no, because X many knows equals a yes at some point. Yeah, he's right. And I think that there's a lot of salespeople in our modern sales community who, they sneer at that. They look down their noses at that. Uh, that's not how it works. Well, actually, it is how it works. Definitely is how it works, yeah. And I'll tell you what, if this coronavirus thing kicks off, only the ones that, are, that play that game will live. Because I've seen that now. This will be my... If we get a recession, please God, we don't. But if we do, this will be my third one. Yeah, it'll be my third rodeo. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll tell you now, I know exactly which salesman will survive and which will end up driving Ubers. And it'll be the ones that think it doesn't work like that. They'll end up, the industry, the economy will self-select them out. Yes, it's a, it's a modern-day form of natural selection. It is, yes. The two reasons customers say no. When a person says no to you, I'm surprised they put that in, because they don't say no to you, they say no to what you're selling. They're doing so for one of two reasons. Well, sometimes they say no to you. Sometimes they say no to the individual. Sometimes, yeah, yeah sometimes they don't like the cut of your jib. See, well... And not many of the other sales techs agree with that. But they do. Sometimes they look at you, 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 the salesman, listening in your car right now. Sometimes they don't like you. They just, something about you. They don't like what you're wearing. They don't like what you smell like. They don't like how you talk. They don't like the fact that you're a northern monkey like me. They don't like it. And sometimes they do say no to you. Tough shit. Fair the, enough. You knew the rules before you got in the game. Engage early. One of the best ways to decrease hearing no is by engaging early in the conversation in questions about the customer. I do agree with that. I think if you get into asking people questions early on, it's a lot harder for them to say no. Asking a good question early yeah, on. Yeah, you just put them on the back foot. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. It's not even about putting them on the back foot. It's about asking a question that... It's about engage- control, isn't it's it? It's about asking a question that's engaging. It's about being... Listen, sometimes, Mike, it comes down to being funny, witty, charming, a bit charismatic, being likeable, being something. Yeah, being something that... When you're interrupting people, when you're actually creating a true interrupt, you don't have long. And at some point, actually, sometimes it's about being credible, likeable. Somebody that actually the customer's going to go, well, do you know what? I'm going to have a chat with you for a few minutes. Fair play. I like you. Sometimes it is as simple as that. And they are saying yes or no to you. Page 173. When average performers get a no, they think the process is over. When top performers hear the word no, they think the process is just getting started. In the moment you get a no, simply choose to see it as a detour. Funny, I'm... uh, I'm Chasing an account at the moment. I've really got my bit between my teeth about where I've had a right old gnome last week. A proper full-on FU. Right. And I've just sort of got it in my head I'm going to keep at it. 
Or did I, you know for a fact, Johnny, sometimes I pick an account and go, right, I'm going to get you in there. Yeah, I've just sort of, whether you know, there's one last year that we got a couple of placements out of it, it took you 20 years. Oh, well, they were third, sue them for the third placement. But in the end, yeah, in the end, they did a naughty and, and we had to get a lawyer to get on it. But uh, it, it's sometimes it's about that little, that dogged determination where you look at an account and think, there's money in that account and I'm having it and that's it and all about it. Mm, I agree. And, 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 and you get knocked back and you think, I'll find another way, I'll find another route, I'll try another approach next week. Mm. And you know, in the old days, I remember sometimes when I was an account handler back in the days at Howard Jackson, and people didn't want to work with me, I used to ring them every week and say, hi, it's Johnny Graham, I'm ringing you to overcome your objection again. And, get, and sometimes you'd get the odd one go, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd sort of overcome the objection and they'd go, nah, bad luck, Johnny. <laughs> and the phone would go down. Uh, three weeks and, and a week later, I'd bring back. Ah, Johnny Graham here, I'm ringing to overcome your objection. I haven't got time for it today, Johnny. And you'd keep at it and at it and at it and at it and at it. And six months later, you'd end up with your boss coming over to your desk saying, I just had a ringing from a client. He says he's never met anybody who's determined in his life. He thinks you're mental, but he's going to give you a go. Fair enough. But that's what. But And, 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 and you know, it's a real clarion call, this, but sometimes that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree, obviously. obviously Sometimes that's what it's about. But getting back to the title of the book, A Mind for Sales, that's his point, isn't it? Yeah. That the people who have a good sales mind are either happy hearing no, they're not afraid yeah, of just no. A, yeah, whatever. You're not going to die. I'm sorry, I said it to Lily the other day. She said, what are you up to today? And I said, well, Lily, I'm going to spend the next hour and a half doing some cold calls. And I said, well, there's worse things to do. I'm sat here, looking out over Yorkshire. Looking at my house, pretty Drinking much. Drinking my £2.80 cup of coffee. There's people who die for this job. True. So, <laughs> chapter 25. Not all prospects and customers are the same. Nice little quote from Jeb Blount. People buy for their reasons, not yours. So true. Always worth remembering that, I think. Yeah. Did you think much of this chapter? There's a couple of quotes I thought were really interesting. He, he talks again about every opportunity earning the right to be in your pipeline. He says here, when it comes to sales, nothing is permanent. Sometimes for your sanity, it's best to take a sabbatical and come back to them down the, a few months down the road. He's right. Mm. Things change. People change. Accounts change. Pain levels increase, decrease. Mm. Mm. It's never a no. I look at some of the accounts we work with that we'd have never worked with a while ago. Company, yeah, there's companies that we, you look at we work with and you'd think, oh, God, I wouldn't have wanted that client a year ago but those clients companies have evolved mm-hmm. there's companies that look at us and think we'd have never engaged with Inward Revenue a year ago but they've evolved stuff just changes doesn't it it's, as uh, Sal Paradise says in Jack Kerouac's On the Road there are no goodbyes only see you later you like this one the customer you want to fire page 178 too often bad customers the result of a faulty sales process and the creation of false expectations yeah I do find that a lot do you know, he said there's a really good one here where he talks about macho people are quick to throw out phrases like what does not kill me can only make me stronger and numerous other variations of that line. That may seem crude, but it's true. We have nothing to lose when we push back and ask questions after hearing no from a customer. I'll go one step further. When the customer says no, they are the ones, they are the ones who are losing. They're losing because they failed to see the value in how you could assist them. This does not mean I blame them. No, I blame myself for failing to engage them to, enough to see the real value. It always reminds me of it. What page are you on there? Let's have a look. Let's see if I can just get to that. I'll just download. I'm on page 174. 
All right. Okay. Um, and it always reminds me of a time I remember once canvassing and a guy putting the phone down on me and slamming the phone down going, dickhead. And my boss at the time saying, no, you're the dickhead. And not quite understanding that. And he used to do it all the time. If I'd slam the phone down with dickhead, he'd go, no, you're the dickhead. You're the one that didn't convince him to stay on the phone long enough. He's not the dickhead. You've just interrupted the guy, spoiled his morning, and not said anything sufficiently exciting to keep him on the phone. Bad luck, it's your fault. It's very true. In addition to that, actually, on page 179, he says, you do not have stupid customers. Yeah. Now, I think what happens here is a lot. It's for years and years and years and years, I've heard consultants say... You know, you know, look at the pe- the salespeople people have hired. And I put a post on this about LinkedIn, actually. That it just amazes me sometimes, the salespeople customers hire. I just think, what on earth have you done? But actually, really, what I should be saying is, Mike, how didn't you spot what they were going to hire? I done? How didn't you spot they were going to hire that? Because it's and your one, fault, And then theirs. do one of two things. Either give them that which they actually clear, clearly appear to want to hire, yeah, just because we think... Or we... give them the support and advice as to what they ought to be hiring. Yeah, but if they want to hire somebody who, who we who think is deeply mediocre... Then they're the customer. Yeah. They're the customer, aren't they? Not yeah. us. Stupid, he says, stupid customers are a figment of a salesperson's mind. But how often do we do it? Oh, the customer's an idiot. All the time. The customer's not an idiot. The, most of them are pretty intelligent people, but they've got emotions and needs and pains and wants. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to sort that out, isn't it? Absolutely. So we're on section five now, the future of sales. Mm -hmm. I don't quite understand what this has got to do with the future of sales, but he says, you do not close a sale, you begin a relationship. I think as a man who is a sales coach, you've got to be careful saying that. Why? Because you do close sales. Yeah, and I think in, well, if you look at the way that the SaaS software world is working, actually you do close sales, and then you let your customer success people begin the relationship. Yeah, I I think anybody... The sales trainer that puts in a book, you don't close a sale. I think, wow, come on. If I paid you a £1,000 a day, I wouldn't want you to say that to my salespeople. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're sat here with some of our favourite film movie posters around us. You've got to get them to sign on the line. At some point, what do you get paid for? What, do you, what does your employer give you money for if you're in sales? Your employers give you money to walk back into the office with a contract on which the client has signed on the line that is dotted. Correct. Now, actually... His point is a good one. He just don't like the title of it, really. No. Because what he's talking about is your mindset shifts to opening rather than closing. So he's saying, if you look thinking about opening a relationship, that's where your mindset should be. But I think what he should be saying is, yeah, your I, mindset should be focused on opening a relationship and then closing. The I think if we did a straw poll of twenty sales leaders right now, would you rather to have? A, would you rather have a salesperson whose mindset is that he opens relationships? Or a mindset that he closes deals in the quarter. I wonder what that straw poll would come out at. Yes, absolutely. I think that out of 20, I bet all 20 would say, listen, I just need the numbers on the board, mate. And, and absolutely, You're absolutely right. I, I think page 187, I underlined, there are two numbers I want you to start tracking. The amount of business you receive from a customer after the initial purchase and the amount of business created through referrals. Blah, blah, blah. And this takes me to think, that I think there is a dichotomy between um, new business guys and account managers. They're very different folk. Of course they are. I think. But I don't think he gets into defining the different mindsets of those two people. And his book about mindsets 
is a one-size-fits-all mindset. Do you know, I, I, think, I think it's a bit deeper than that. And I'm going to talk to Mark about this when he comes on the show. Is Mark is clearly part of what some people refer to as a social media engagement pod. Okay. Um, and engagement pods are where, where you create content as part of a group who then cross-pollinate and cross-promote each other's content. Okay. So you see it quite a lot on YouTube, where a lot of the YouTubers go out and they shoot video together. Okay. And actually, if you follow the same group of YouTubers, what you realise is they've all created the same five episodes. That's smart. Mm. So Pete McKinnon does it with a guy called Matty Hapoya. And Matty Hapoya has grown to nearly a million followers just working with Pete McKinnon. And they literally, they hold the camera for each other when they're vlogging. Right, cool. Yeah, so they go out and they shoot their vlogs together and they're in the same location, they fly to the same part of the world together. Whatever. And I, I, I can't help but feel sometimes, I think, with some of the authors we've had on the show, Jeb Blunt, Anthony Honorino, Mark Hunter, it's, some of the comments feel like they're, they've almost pre-agreed the same... How do you reckon? Content, yeah. They've, like, they've pre-agreed the same philosophies. Right, I didn't Bob know Bob Berg, that. where it's sort of a bit preordained. I didn't think about it. I think probably will be right. It hadn't occurred to me that was something people did. And that they're all almost in the same branded vein. It's almost like a part of a brand. Fair enough. Just saying. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Chapter 27, Next Gen Sales. Okay. Now this is an interesting chapter, isn't it? Because I, I do think it's a very pertinent one. Well, page 191. Artificial intelligence is here. I do not care what others might say about the growth of artificial intelligence. The role the sales per- the role the salesperson is never going to go away. That's interesting, isn't it? What you and I have seen is a fundamental, epic and immense shift in the profession in the last few years. I Very think, different now. From our crow's nest up here in the Pinnacle building. Uh, and I've seen it accelerate in the last 15 months. How long have we been in this building? Probably about two years, I'd have thought. Coming up for two years in May. I've okay. seen it accelerate in the last two years quicker than it accelerated in the preceding And what do you think the change is? I think the change is a fewfold. Firstly, is we are now officially a fully SaaS-driven world, as we have been for years, but the implications of that have started to really come true. Notably that, in certain environments now, you're only as good as your last month's organisational performance. Mm. I've seen a puppy dog close apply to a lot of sales environments. Notably that you can give your software to your customer and let them play with it, configure it and toy with it until such a time as you decide to turn up and start charging them for it. Mm. And that is happening now at increasingly higher levels in the economy. You know, you look at some of these data-driven companies and some of these open-source data-driven companies. Actually, one of them went out of business. Was it Looker? It was one of them where they went out of business because actually they had an open-source model Punters could download the kit, but they couldn't find a way to monetize the services around it. Um, but what I have seen is that's easier and easier, and the customers are so much more knowledgeable that you can let them trial it, play with it, configure it, and then just ask them if they want to go ahead and go with it. Mm. And that's very much fundamentally changing the nature of the sales professional and the sales profession. And then what you've also got is this wave of automation 
that when it's properly executed is taking away a lot of the early stages of the sales process as driven by marketing and has stopped the art of cold calling. Mm-hmm. And that's why... I'm glad you said that. I'm what I wrote exactly that. And that's why you and I are... We've been talking about this in the last few months. Cold calling seems easier than it's ever been. Miles easier. Because the customers are getting fewer cold calls than they've ever got because companies are hiding behind this incredible automation technology. And some of it is incredible because actually it's working. The cold and call is unique now. Yes, it's, it's a unique it's event cold calling. Cold calling now is a, is a unique selling point for you as a sales professional. If you are cold calling, you are now unique. It's a unique event. You now have a competitive advantage. If you are prepared to walk into a job interview and turn around to an interviewer and say, here's where I'm at, I'll get up on Monday and I'll make 100 cold calls till somebody gives me an appointment to sell my product to them. Then I'll get in my car and I'll go and flog them in. You have a competitive advantage in the job market. I 100% think that's the case. So do I think the AIs are coming for our job? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, and what I've noticed is even in some of the technology we're using, you know, I'm going to talk to you about something later in the week, which is an AI extension of something we're already doing. It's terrifying. But at the same time, why shouldn't it? And you know, you and I both look at it and think, well, why shouldn't it be us first? Yeah, yeah. yeah someone else is only going to do it. So I think he's right. But I equally, I sort of do buy his point, which is we're, we're always going to need salespeople. But I also think that a lot of salespeople are going to lose their jobs in the next few years. Yeah, I think a lot. I of... think if you can't, if you're not knowledgeable, if you can't add value, and this is the point he's making. If you are not bringing to your employers something that they couldn't get with a machine, you're done. Yeah, that's pretty much what he says, yeah. Yeah. And if actually you're just a nice account manager that transacts deals and fulfills orders, thanks for coming. Get yourself an Uber licence. Seriously? You really pick an Uber, don't you? Well, no, but that's, that's the reality, Mike. These people are going to need to find new livelihoods. Fair enough. So chapter 28, he asked the question, do you have a mind for sales? And then he cites the different things, and he talks to us about his sales lifestyle and blah blah blah, and he, and he has a list of things that it takes to be to be a great salesperson. His final summary. He says top people, top salespeople set goals. Yep. Agreed. Yep. He says top people protect their time. Agreed. Yep. He says he says top salespeople do not settle for average. Agreed. Yep. Top salespeople use each day to influence. Agreed. Top salespeople see themselves as a confident servant of sales leader. Top salespeople know the importance of prospecting. Fair enough. Top salespeople never end the day without knowing what they're going to do the next day. Great. All good. Points one seven. Number eight. Top salespeople are optimistic. Not just whilst their job. Do you buy that? No, I underlined that in red. I don't agree with that at all. Pollyanna optimism. I just don't agree with that at all. Some of the best salespeople I meet and place. Cynical. Pessimistic, paranoid. Paranoid cynics. Mm. Every deal is shit until proven otherwise. Correct. Number nine, top salespeople never stop learning. Agreed. Top salespeople know that they must continually evolve their sales process. Agreed. Because what's interesting is we're getting a few guys now who pitched up in the late 90s and started selling. They're getting found out now, I think. Well, it's, I, I think the tech. I, I, if you you know, I, I've only had two careers in my career, 
sales recruitment career and three years as a sales leader in the software business. You know, they say most people by the time they're my age should have had four or five. But what I do know is in and inside this career, I've reinvented myself about four or five times. From a sales process perspective, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that actually, more than anything, it, the ones going forward, the top guys, they go through periods of personal reinvention. They reinvent the salesman that they are. That's what I mean. You, I, I'm starting to find now that some of these, that some salespeople are old-fashioned now. Yeah. Much to their detriment. Like the very hungry caterpillar. Number 11, he says, top salespeople on the process. I agree with that. Number 12, he says, top salespeople do not stop the, do not stop at the end of the day. A great salesperson views sales as a 24-7 lifestyle. Wow. Disagree. Turn it off. Disagree. I get it. Some of... You know, something that was interesting, Mike, was my daughter came in from work on Saturday night. She was a bit late from work. And I said, well, why are you so late from work? They kept you late at work. And she went, oh, no, no, no. I was talking to so-and-so-and-so's mum and so-and-so-so-and-so's mum and so-and-so-and-so's dad. And uh, I was going to sit at the bar having a pint with them. I'm like, you're 17, they're 50. (laughs) But she's the daughter of two salespeople. So at some point, our ability to engage with people be pleasant likeable talkative they've invited us to sit and talk to them yes and that's rubbed off but do i sit there talking to izzy about the world of sales and closing people and asking open questions no oh is that sort of say it's a mind style it's a yeah. mind style not a lifestyle so she's part you know let's get it right she's the kid of two salespeople. she's got the a personality of two people who are both in sales but is she a did she, no, she's just a sort of confident human being. But Christ, do I sit there? Hey, Izzy, I'm in sales. I, th- I think I think this guy might. Number fourteen, top salespeople are proud of what they do. Top salespeople know fifteen. Top salespeople know the depth of the questions that will uncover big opportunities. Yep. Great. Top salespeople know that success is not what they did yesterday, but what they'll do today. Fair enough. Top salespeople have a peer network that holds them accountable and helps drive them forward. Don't agree with that. I know loads of sales. Do you disagree with that or do you not have that? I just don't think it's that inclusive. I know loads of really good salespeople that don't have any real peer network of that. That are complete lone rangers. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. I don't have a particularly I don't have a peer network of other salespeople. See a peer network that you go to the rugby with, you go to a guy that sells I sell food to schools. I go, yeah. You're not a peer network between you, other than you've He sells food to schools, my other mate sells glasses. They're not peers, are they? They're not peers. Not in a bad way. They're, they're just... people I have a tremendous admiration and personal, personal love and respect for. They're not peers. Top salespeople live each day to make the most of it. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that, yes. And that, it was, it, and the, my biggest challenge was, it was stuff like that that made me find it a difficult read. Actually, it was all right. Well, the book's closed now. I've closed the book. I've See what I thought it. about it. Actually, it was all right. I thought it was about it's like a seven out of ten. I would say, as a book to read in your hand, not that fond, but I thought as a book to listen to and muse over whilst you're in your car, I'd definitely buy it. Yeah, if somebody rang me tomorrow and said, Johnny, I've got to drive to Bristol tomorrow from Leeds for a customer appointment, I need an audio book. What, what are you recommending? I'd recommend that, Bob Berg. Yeah, I want a book that by the time I've got to my appointment, I've done. Yeah, yeah. About sales. Any thoughts? I'd say... That's an alright one. What time are you setting off? 4am. Right, listen. 
you're going to need to concentrate on the road, but at the same time, you'll need to want to take something in. Whereas if you have a sales director phone you up and say, right, what a book that I'm going to work through with my sales team, I wouldn't recommend that. No. If a sales leader rang me tomorrow and said, I'm going to go through a book once a month and I'm going to get my team to listen to it and on get book some club action points. And get some action points. What, what are you recommending, Johnny? I'd say combo prospecting, mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I wouldn't recommend that one. But I would recommend it if a, if a candidate rang me tomorrow and said, any thoughts on my drive to, drive to Bristol tomorrow? I'd say, yeah, that's a belter. For that, that will serve its purpose. Or if a candidate rang me and said, go on holiday next week, I've got five days in the sun, I'm going to, I'm going to read a sports biography on Monday, a sales book on Tuesday, uh, another sports biography on Wednesday, and a rock and roll biography on Thursday, what have you got for me? And I'd say, where are you going on holiday? I'm going to Ibiza and I'm going to be at Ocean Beach every day. I'd say, that's a good book for that. One that's not going to completely absorb you, but will you'll, will get you thinking and maybe clear your head and get your mind right. Yeah, bang on. Fair enough. Yeah, so next week we will have the author on the show. Happy and we'll days. be able to ask him some questions. And I think there'll be a few for us to ask. Yes, I think so. And the book that we're doing next, Mike. Oh, Lily told me what it was and I've forgotten. Inked. Inked. By Jeb Blunt. Who is a member of the uh, American Sales Authors LinkedIn thing that you just called it engagement pod? But I like Jeb Blount, but have we fair, met Jeb Blount before? Is he a bald guy? No. I'll tell you the story with Jeb, and I will hold him to account for this. Yes. When we first started IRC Book Club, Jeb didn't want to wipe his ass with us. Oh, really? Yeah, and I couldn't get him to come on the show, but now that actually we've got some engagement and some listeners, and he realises our podcast is pretty serious, Jeb is coming on the show. And actually, one of my favourite ever sales books is Jeb's book, Fanatical Prospecting. It was a game changer for me, that book. This is Inked, which is his book on negotiation and contract. It's going to have to go a long way to beat Chris Voss's book on negotiation. Yeah. Isn't it just... It's going to have to go a long way. Because I thought that book was really, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening to me and Mike rant and drivel. We really, really appreciate it and love you all very much. Goodbye.